0: Hello everyone and welcome to the American Scouser podcast. I am your host as always, Timo Chin in this nice cool evening, Chicago over here. And with us today, so far we have Galley. Galley, what's happening? Uh not much.
1: Just uh hanging out here on Labor Day, thinking about all the work I should have got done today that I didn't, you know, what what national holidays are you supposed to be for. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's right. It is Labor Day. I totally forgot that this kind of like aligned with that. But uh, let's roll with it. We're hoping Bickler is going to be able to join us. He was on his way back. Bickler isn't here, but Alan is here. He says, good evening, guys, and greetings, dudes. Bye, BJ. How's it going, everyone? Uh, So let's get right to it. But maybe we'll wait for Bickler to do the trivia. huh? Like, Maybe he's late on purpose, so he avoids the trivia. And I will not fall for that. Let's start talking about the Merseyside Derby first.
1: Can we go? Can we do trivia, please? <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's so bad. You guys even prefer trivia. I see it. I see it. I, what do you make of that? I mean, you look at the game, it was a weird deal where anybody could have won it. And I don't know if the other team could have been wronged by whatever result came out of that.
1: Uh, Yeah, it is a tough one You know, I've heard people describe it as a beautiful nil-nil draw Like that it was actually a a legitimate football match Because both sides had opportunities to win Liverpool played, you know, attackingly well But didn't finish in the final third Pickford had some really great saves And I'm sure we'll get to his overall performance for Everton And kind of the shithousery that is Jordan Pickford um, For me, the biggest takeaway from the match is Is that we got out another draw that I'm not sure we deserved I mean, it's a, it's a point And I think it was We could have gotten all three We probably deserved one Had we left with nothing We'd have no one to blame but ourselves So to me, it was just a disappointing day at the office, I guess Sorry, Timuchin, I went around in a circle To say that I'm
0: <laughs> still disgusted and sick <laughs> Came back to start and do not collect 200. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those deals where, yeah, I mean, when the game ended, you were like, well, that could have gone either way. And I think, you know, we hit the post so many goddamn times. And really, if Pickford is regular, his T-Rex self, and that's Pickford in a nutshell, right? He's going to make some like ridiculous saves and sometimes be just like a cat and goal. And then sometimes he goes back to being T-Rex. And unfortunately, we had the good pick for it in goal. And he really did make some key and very difficult saves that on any other day, it's probably a goal. And I think against that team, if we got the first goal in, the rest would have come. Because uh, it was a team that would collapse easily and we just could not make it happen. Um I mean, we did create the chances, though. So, when you look at this game, I mean, the main thing I want to talk about today is the whole Mo Salah discussion, right? Uh, How we kind of have chained him to the right-hand side. If you looked at the heat maps, you know, he was literally parked by the sideline over there. And while, you know, you look at the season as a whole, so if you're Klopp, like, what do you say after a game like this? Do you say, well, you know, we got our top scorer, kind of like way too wide maybe we should bring him to the middle or do you look after the game and say look at all the chances we created so something is still working it's just that we got to finish we just could not finish those chances
1: yeah so i i think there's a piece to both i think if you look at everton this match as a microcosm for itself you could say to yourself we created enough chances if one of those gets buried early the floodgates open Heck, if one of those goes in, we win. You know, uh, I mean, Darwin's half volley was a class piece of football and an even better save by Pickford to push it off the post. Um, that for me was the was the top of the bunch. And then we'll I'm sure we'll talk about Mo's opportunity and stoppage time, which I still can't believe he actually gets down and, and gets a hand on. Um, but you know. The, the chances we create gave us the actual false hope that this tactic is working. And that's my fear is that we are creating all these opportunities. And Mo is at the forefront of those opportunities. I think Trent is third or fourth in big chances created. So the right-hand side from an opportunity is, is working. And if Bobby and Darwin are finishing those opportunities in the middle of the pitch, then I think there's not a lot to complain about. For me, it still comes down to the fact that Mo is still getting opportunities. They're just not as many as they were when he was playing more narrow. And I think Mo is a guy that needs more chances than your average top-level striker. And I think because he's getting less opportunities, his misses are becoming more glaring.
0: I mean, when you looked at last season, I remember, you know, like when you looked at strikers, he was up there. I mean, it was him and Lewandowski in terms of converting critical chances into goals, like in terms of like the conversion rate. So obviously the higher chances and the more number of chances he gets, with that percentage the more goals he's going to produce uh michael martin says when things aren't clicking fully you need a moment of brilliance to get you over the line it just didn't happen i mean the one that you mentioned with uh, nunez i thought was one but it just was matched with another moment of brilliance with pickford on the other side and then we hit the post again and that was probably could be the moment especially in terms of like when it happened timing wise it was going to be golden and it did not happen so and here's another thing like, do we, the whole Mo thing opens up a lot of questions because obviously it's by design because it happens game after game after game where he is playing really, really wide and opens up that place. And then, you know, like you have Trance going into that area, you have Elliot going into that area. But here's the thing is it because, is it partially not working due to transform? I mean, apart from the Bournemouth game, which everybody and their brother played well, and now we don't know it was because of Bournemouth, first of all, but is it because of Transform not being very high? So obviously the results are poor from that side, or is Transform not where it should be because he's now also being asked to do something a bit different from last year as well?
1: But I mean, statistically, Trent's form is good. Like he's creating opportunities. If anything, his form is more in. He looks to me disinterested and just a bit aloof. Like he's not all there. And that's what I think shows up on the defensive side, where he just kind of gets lackadaisical and checks out at times. And offensively, I mean, he's got a goal, two assists, and like five big chances created. So he's still playing really, really well, Trent is from that inverted side. I'd question as well as Harvey's playing that it isn't part to play to Harvey's strengths that Mo is playing more wide because Harvey naturally is going to step more forward into those pockets and create more than Jordan was when he was playing on the right. And I, I think that as much as we kind of clamor for the Harvey and Mo one twos, I think in some ways that's kind of confusing Mo as well. Cause I think he's trying to stay out wide thinking he's going to be able to kind of dance in on and take on defenders instead of making those runs that we're used to seeing him into space and us playing him behind the last defender. So I, I think it has some to do with Harvey's introduction as being the primary number eight sitting in between Trent and Mo as well.
0: But we did that beginning of last season where, it's worked very well, and I was actually like, man, this could be like a trio to go on for years, knowing Harvey and, you know, uh, Trent's age. And at that time, we were not playing Mo as wide, and it seemed to be working very well. It looked like they were, like, clicking, and that's when, you know, they were almost interchanging, whereas it seems like Mo is pretty much out there all the time now. Whereas last year, beginning of the season, when Elliot was getting the starts, it almost felt like they would interchange. Sometimes Elliot would be the wide one, sometimes Mo would be the wide one. Sometimes they would both run inside, creating that space to, for Trent to come into. Whereas now, Salah seems to be like set where he's at, and it's only Trent and like Elliot exchanging places.
1: I mean, it just has to be clearly something that's tactical because they were doing this when. You know, it's not just like this is what's happening when Darwin is in in the side. This is something they've been doing since, you know, late in the preseason, all the entire season so far. Clearly, it is going to be controversial when we're struggling to score goals, and he is our greatest goal scorer, or at least what we believe is our greatest goal scoring asset. It's also hard to argue that it's not working when he's created twice as many opportunities as anyone else in the Premier League so if you know Diaz the deep-lying midfielders making runs Bobby and Darwin are taking these opportunities that Moe's creating we'd be talking about how he has all these assists right now and he's not scoring goals but we're scoring goals in our new formation and our new style so I think the results sometimes create you know the tactics whether or not it's being a success or not and right now the results aren't there and we need to make sure that our best goal scorer starts either getting in goal scoring positions or you know if he's going to become the best creator in the world we need to make sure people are finishing those chances
0: Uh, Yeah, I think that's where the dilemma comes from, you know, like you're creating chances but you can't score. Well, who's going to score? Who normally scores? The guy who's creating the chances, (laughs) just get him inside so he can score. Yeah, I mean, and I think, you know, when we were talking about it in the preseason, and when we were looking at Nunez and his past and stuff like that, if anything, we felt he normally tried, like, you know, has a tendency to go more towards the left-hand side, you know, from the middle towards the left and we were like okay that will work with Diaz when Diaz cuts into the middle and stuff and we kind of figured I don't know maybe like the idea is in some ways working but like you're saying if we're not able to finish it's a result oriented thing at the end of the day if the results are not paying off and I think that's what kind of you know puts Klopp in that situation where do you keep going at this saying Eventually, we're going to start converting these chances because we are creating the chances. If you look at chances, goal scoring opportunities like created, we're way up there still. Uh, so do you just keep saying, hey, what we're doing is working. Eventually, goals are going to come. Or do you say, well, we got to change something because one way or the other, the goals are not coming. If you're club today against Wolves, for example, I think the Napoli game is totally different. So it's kind of like harder to kind of do do it for that. But going into the Wolves game, how do you approach that? Do you change it, or do you keep writing it, saying eventually they're all just gonna start going in?
1: I think the Wolves match is where we see uh, the four up top for the first time with Bobby and Nunez starting together. I'm sure we'll probably touch on that briefly later, but I, I think that the I think that these wide tactics are a precursor to the four two three one being a primary formation that we play against more sides than not. And I think when we do that, if if that is happening in that format, then I think you have a much better chance of finishing some of these opportunities because you'll have more attackers in these positions that Mo is creating all these opportunities from wide. And I think with that, you know, I think we're seeing – I think Nunez going straight back into the starting lineup, to me, indicates this strong – Shout that this was his job to lose when he got the red card against palace, that he had kind of stepped into the role of being the primary offensive force that they planned to play through. And I think Bobby's early form, including scoring some goals and popping up in the right spots will only strengthen the idea of him and Carvalho playing, you know, 90 minutes in that role off of the striker. And I think that that will change the way we are set up. And I think it has a lot to do with the idea of Thiago and Fabinho being able to play a two-man midfield. I mean, Thiago played the double pivot at Munich for a long time. So it's not like he's not used to playing that. And I think that if we can make that work, it's going to be a huge adjustment for me on the fullbacks, to be honest. Because I think they're going to have to adjust how often they bomb forward with no abandon of anything behind them because I think they'll be losing that third player in the midfield to pick up space and and help out defensively. So, you know, it'll be interesting for me there, but I think that that's where we're going. And I just, to me, that was kind of, we saw a precursor to that against Everton, which might have been the weakest of the low block sides outside of Bournemouth, which, you know, basically defend it. They defended at Goodison.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's just, I think... That's like the dilemma right there. Thiago is obviously back in practice, uh, but I do not see him definitely not uh, Wednesday. And even against Wolves, unless he comes oh, no. in like last 15 20 minutes or something like that, but especially with the hamstring injury, better be safe than sorry and wait. Uh, looks like Hando's out for about three weeks, so like he'll be out basically until after the international break because again, hamstring injury, you got to take your time. Um, What did you make of Nunez's performance? I want to ask you that. And then I want to ask you one other player in terms of their role moving forward. But what did you make of Nunez's overall performance? Obviously, eyes were kind of on him um, because he was coming back from the red card. Not to mention, you know, it was kind of like a risky move. You knew it was going to be a high tension game being almost like it was a bigger test for him to control his nerves, throwing him in there.
1: Yeah, so there were a couple moments where he looked like he was getting hot under the collar, and at one point, I thought he was actually going to, like, after the Connor Cody goal, when he's, you know, basically talking trash about it being a replay, I'm thinking to myself, like, just shut up, like, at this point, it's probably not the, not the right time to be, you know, talking to the opponent, especially when we were kind of on the Back foot at that point in Everton You know we took one out of our net You know people forget that everyone talks about how he was Offsides he was offsides by like A whisker yeah and He still got behind our players and Put it in the back of the net so like We conceded a goal whether we like it Or not just happened to be by A you know fraction of an inch He was deemed to be offsides And you know if half The people got their way in our discord In the chats and on facebook you know, we'd start judging these offside calls more neutrally when they're close. And therefore that would have been a goal. So for all of these that we chalk off and get mad about not counting for us, they would also score against us when they, when they, you know, when we dig them out of the net. So we have to remember that sometimes. So I think Nunez as a whole, he had some really bright moments. He's just really, really raw. He's got a long way to go before he's the finished article. Someone in discord, um, compared that goal said it was almost like fernando torres-esque i think that's the player i see more than anyone when i watch him play like when he does these flashes moments of brilliance i think we just we remember fernando torres the finished article at 28 years old doing that week in and week out and i think at this moment we're still getting darwin nunez you know the the rough raw gem of a player. And I think we're going to watch a kid mature. But I'm not sure he's there yet. But I will say, I said in the summer, I expected him to play a lot of the minutes available to him. And it's pretty clear Liverpool has to play him because they need him on the pitch. They invested too much money. He's too big a part of the squad. They've changed it. They've changed their overall tactics around his skill sets. Therefore, you have to play to his skill sets.
0: And that's the thing. I mean, you do see some stuff from him. I mean, he could be Torres and then some really, because I think he's more gifted physically. Yeah. Uh, So I think he has that advantage on top. He still has the speed, but I think he, you know, he's a bigger dude and yeah, I mean, he could be very good moving forward. Um, It's, it's one of those where yeah I mean when we signed them I'm sure we had a plan for it already. I mean that's a huge signing a lot of money for not having a plan in terms of like how to how to work him in into our system and I'm sure you know more may be going wide as part of that and it is working to the sense that we are creating those chances. I mean if we finish those you look at like, like you know uh, our numbers If we finish those chances, maybe we're talking a total different story. And honestly, you know, with all the doom and gloom, I think we're more disappointed with the overall, you know, how we look, I think, more than results is what's concerning to me when I watch these games. You know, like Michael Martin says, Trent plays at times like his shit don't stink. You don't have to put the exclamation point this is not a pg show by the way <laughs> drives me crazy bigger thing for me with mo is he keeps trying to dribble right through people unsuccessfully i think with trent and i get the same sense with um sometimes van dyke too i think when a player has that you know common collected thing going right when it works it looks great, but when it doesn't work and your game is not working and you're making mistakes, it does come across as like a physical, like you were saying earlier, like, you know, like defensively, when you have like a brain fart and stuff like that, your body language then translates into that. I know exactly what Michael is talking about, because it looks like he's like, what? I missed an assignment. Kind of a look to it. And that might not be how he feels, but... And, you know, like, even after the goal, when, for example, when Milner was chewing up Van Dyke, I mean, it was, you know, you can kind of tell when these guys are successful, we take the body language as, all oh, being calm and collected. But when they're not, it does look like, you know, he's working around like his shit don't stink. And really, until Ramsey gets back, it's not like, you know, we can rest them or anything. One thing that shocked me this week, and I was going to ask you about that is, when we did the substitutions... To put Milner there, which I thought was kind of like turned on the entire momentum in the game. I love Milner, but mind you, this was probably the worst Milner we've seen in a while. And I was shocked that, you know, when Matsup came in, we just did not push Gomez to right back. Because clearly, I think he would be a better right back, especially where we needed pace over there against Gordon. Like, Using him instead of Milner Were you surprised to see Milner in there as a right back Uh, For when he did the substitution
1: I think he didn't want to put Matip in yet In that spot And I think it was more I think it was supposed to send a message To Trent more than it was Anything else Like I think that was a deliberate substitution At 58 or 59 minutes You know the announcers were even like Is there an injury Is there something wrong like they just acted all like cuz you, you know you, you you sub both fullbacks at once like it just didn't make sense you you just assumed there i mean i did that that was elliot and robertson like that was just it's simicast and milner it's elliot and robertson let's just we're bringing on the adult we're bringing on a different left win, or you know a left fullback we're going to have someone to help bring in balls and you know I just, I just feel like that substitute appearance, you know, is almost like when you, you know, when you bring somebody in, and you have no idea what they're going to bring in. And I felt like bringing in Milner in that spot was more of a statement to Trent. And I think Matip coming in probably just meant that Klopp needed more time to get Matip ready in that spot to make sure that he was fully warmed up. And he knew Gomez would slide over at that time, you know, to right back. But mm-hmm. but I almost feel like that was just... I think he had just missed another assignment. A guy had run behind him. And then he came up and he crossed that ball that, like, didn't even... It was, like, 10 feet in front of him and it went out of bounds. Like, it was just, like, pitiful. And he had one of those looks on his face. Like, he, he had no... Like... He just didn't even look like he cared. And for a kid from Liverpool to be playing in a Merseyside Derby at Goodison and play like that, I think he, Klopp literally yanked him off. And at that moment, I'm not sure Milner was coming in for Trent. And I almost feel like he was walking up to the touchline and Klopp was like, you know what? Going oh, for Trent.
0: That's and then- I, I,
1: it genuinely
0: looked like that. I guess that makes more sense because I figured, like, you know, if the goal was to send them a message originally when you're throwing Milner in there, why not move Gomez there and say, hey, you know what? I do have this dude who can play right back. We don't have to wait till Ramsey. Because Gomez has done it in the past. Not our ideal solution, but, you know, and he has done well when he's played there before.
1: I'll be honest. uh, If you ask me, like, my most disappointing thing, I mean, results aside, right? Dropping 9 out of 18. The most disappointing thing for me right now is that Ramsey isn't fit enough to at least be playing some of these garbage minutes because Trent is opening the door right now for someone else to play a little bit at right back for our club, something we're not used to seeing. And I kind of wish the kid who was brought here to create competition for, you know, our world class right back was here right now to play a little bit. Because the fact that you have to sub in a 37-year-old whether to send a statement or not or play a center back who has made it clear he doesn't like playing right back and doesn't feel comfortable there doesn't exactly make a player who I believe has all the mental makeup to be like captain and, and a all-time Liverpool great. But at the same time, I think he's also had it really, really good And he's had a career that most he's already had a career that some players aspire to have in their entire 25 years. And he's done it in five. And I think sometimes that's hard to live up to day in and day out. And I think he needs a little bit of a fire under his ass, whether that's some 59 minute substitutions to ruin my fantasy week, or (laughs) if it's, or, or if it's because they signed, you know, a hotshot teenage Scottish right back to be his understudy
0: who can't yeah alan him? says trans face that being subbed up was anything but happy i mean he should not be happy i mean i'm sure he, he should not be happy with the substitution i'm sure he's frustrated with that but i'm sure he's frustrated with the play his play as well he has to know it's part of the say but then here's another thing like maybe he feels you know the area that he will run into and take advantage of mo was parked over there And, you know, like that's something that he's more used to. And I think that's kind of like the dilemma we're having there is, you know, it's the chicken and egg thing. Are the performances poor because these guys are adjusting to that? Or, you know, the system is not working because the guys are like in poor form is going to be like the issue. And the only way to see it is... I guess, like, as we see more games, because sad, sadly, <laughs> unless we see more games and more evidence, it's kind of, like, hard to make that call in terms of which is working, which is not. Last guy I wanted to ask you about, it was good to see him back. Some of the things he can do is Jota. Where do you see Jota fitting in, in terms of, like, in the long term, now that he is back, where does he come in? Because, you know, he would normally... Occupy the spots in terms of, you know, where like probably Nunes is ideally I know he can play on the left, but where do you use Jota moving forward?
1: I won't be shy. I mean, we talked earlier. I said that I thought that this was, you know That some of the Mo pieces of being tactically shifted onto the right was about the tactics for the long term for Darwin and the shift to the formation You could easily play Jota through that same number nine through the middle and have Darwin be your impact sub off the bench. I think what Jota offers off the bench is different than any other Liverpool attacker because I believe the guy could pop up in the 85th minute Divock style and score a massive game winning goal having played six and a half minutes before that and not touch the ball yet. I think he has that in his locker and as much as I think Bobby can, pop up at any moment and change a match by creating a moment of brilliance. And sometimes that might even be a goal just showing up in the right spot and slotting home like he did against Everton on the weekend. But I also think that there's just something about Jota's poacher ability. And I think he is going to play the role of kind of super sub for a while. And I don't know that he's going to love that, but I think it's going to be a really, really important role. And if he cherishes it, it could make him like his own type of like Liverpool legend or lore. Um, because I think buying Darwin, let everyone know exactly kind of where they felt they were as far as a striker went. I think Moe and Diaz are, are your staple right in the left. Now it's about whether we're playing with one or two up top and which two of the four that two is between Carvalho, you know, Firmino, Jota and Darwin, and it's a pretty good problem to have if that's your. It is six it is people home. up top. You know, when last year at this time we were talking about our six people up top, they included Taki and Divak and his jumpsuit. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so it's definitely a good problem to have. It's going to be interesting, you know, how we work him in. Obviously, with the schedule, you're going to have opportunities for everybody. And I think, you know, I would, yes, rather have Jutta come off the bench. I feel like the Sparky brings this kind of difference, And he can be in the box if we're kind of like doing the more crossing and stuff like that as opposed to. I think I would rather have Bobby start a game and work those center backs all over the place, and then have Jutta come in afterwards. Well, 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 look who decided to join us! It is if it isn't Mister Bickler. What's going yes. on there, Bickler?
2: Sorry, I uh, I missed the transfer window. Um,
0: so I'm I'm here. I'm alive. I apologize for being like. Well, here you go. Here's your freaking punishment. You did yeah. not miss trivia. We held the trivia for you because I knew you were probably running late uh, just to avoid it. So, the one online I want to get to as well that we had in our YouTube shorts, we're going to get to that answer. So, this is an easy one for you guys. Against Napoli, we have played six games in a national competition. Give me the score lines. And like the win loss record, and this additional bonus goals scored versus conceded. Bickler, since you're late, we'll start with you. We start with oh, you okay. anyway, but we'll do yeah. It. I was
2: gonna say that's real <laughs> unusual that you'd start with me, and that's a lot there. Okay, so record and uh, goals scored. Uh I'll go. Three wins, two draws, one loss. Uh,
0: let's go. That's six. <laughs> Galley is struggling in the background. tried to total them up to six, but that was correct. Three, two, yeah. and one. Okay. Let's Both. go. Let's go 11
2: goals scored.
0: That's probably low. I don't know. It's Champions League, though. Yeah, Galley's shaking his head. He knows better. What do you got?
1: No, I, I, I don't think you, you said what? Three, two, one. Um, I don't even think we've got three wins. I, I'd say it's almost five hundred. So I'm gonna go two, two, two. Uh, and that's just a random guess. And it's like there was a, there was a pretty bad one in there. We lost three to one. Um, Merton scored the late goal and it pissed me off. And stoppage time made me think we weren't gonna move on. Because of goal difference. It was like uh, like maybe 12-4.
0: Hmm, you guys are way up there. I said 2-2-2 two, two, two is correct. So we Got one right scored. finally. What a guess. <laughs> five goals scored and five goals conceded. Oh, wow. And oh, wow. our YouTube short question was the goal scorers for this game. For, I mean, for the five goals, who do you guys think got those five goals? Bickler, shoot.
2: Um, this is going to be tricky because,
0: yeah, you I mean, because yeah. I don't
2: remember any of the old, like, I only remember the Napoli matches with this team, I don't remember any of the, the older ones. So, I mean, I'll go with like the obvious ones, like Mane. I would say Mane. Typically scores in the Champions League, so Mane, Mo, um, I'll go Bobby, and that covers our front three currently. I don't remember. (laughs) I I don't remember any. I don't remember any of the the older games. (laughs) Yeah, I I know there's got to be goals from elsewhere on teams that are older than like far older than this. I just don't remember.
0: How about you, Galley? Alan says Lauren and Mo scored for sure. Is he right? I I think he
1: might be right. I don't. I believe like only Mo and maybe it's Dejan or like even like an Alberto Moreno type. It, there were there were some recent. Recently, we've only scored a couple goals. Most of our goals were from back in the day. I'm pretty sure. Um, I'm gonna go like. Steven Gerrard and Fernando Torres both scored.
0: Steven Gerrard did. Actually, three of them are from Gerrard. One from Mo and one from Dejan, like Alan was saying. So he got those two, and then the rest are from Gerrard. I was actually shocked that we were only mustered five in six games, and then again considered five in six games too, uh, which I don't know how that bodes for this Wednesday. Go ahead, Gally.
1: So so Gerrard scored all three in the win?
0: Like uh, three season. goals from Gerard, One from Mo One from Dejan I'm uh,
1: pretty sure and... they won Three to one at one point Which makes me think like Literally he got a hat trick in the match Because Mo, Mo Mo got the one that tied it Late or whatever yeah. I think The last one that helped us secure um, Passage through That was the one with the amazing save By Ali late in the match To Then we went on to win the Champions League So it'll be a
0: repeat, I'm sure, this year. Before we head on to the Napoli game, uh, Bickler, you kind of hopped on late, but I kind of wanted to get your take on the whole more on the wide kind of deal. Do we, If you're Klopp right now, uh, do you say, hey, look at all the chances he's creating, look at all the chances that we're creating as a whole, and look at all those numbers, something is working. Or do you say, well, we're getting chances, but I can't score. And the guy who will usually converse them as out in the wide. We got to go back to plan A or B or whatever the hell the other plan is. Which way do you go?
2: I mean, I think you got, if it were me, I'd revert to the original plan just because, I mean, if you look at the the results at the end of the day, they're not what they should be. And I mean, I understand that, that Mo is, is topping the charts and chances created, and that's, that's a true testament to, I think, his skill more than anything. I think if you look at the side, you want Mo scoring goals. You don't want him creating goals because he's the one that's clinical in front of goal. He's the one that has the ability to turn the game on its head. And the further away from goal you take him, the less of a chance you have of that. And I think the real problem is that you're playing in wide right and you're creating that underlap in that channel. If that space – is given the Harley and Tr- Harvey and Trent and those players aren't willing to take on that space when it's there. And they're just going to bang crosses in then that not defeats the entire purpose of pulling Mo wide. So I think it has, there's, there's a big problem with Trent and Harvey in that spot, not, not taking on uh, players off the ball. I think Harvey's done a better job, but Trent's had multiple opportunities to either have a go from space or to take somebody on and pull people out of position. And he's opted to just try to hit Nunez on the far post or whoever's making that far post run, whether it's Diaz or any other late trailers coming through. And that's, I think that's the issue. I think that that, that sort of underlap space and that sort of half space in there um, isn't being used effectively. And I just think the further you pull Mo away from goal, uh, the, the the more you sort of reduce uh, your
0: your most dangerous threat. And that's the th- question. I mean, is it? I do find us crossing a lot more than we used to. Do you think that's by design galley or is it kind of like a subconscious? We got Nunez in there. Let's cross it in kind of thinking that, you know, that comes from players naturally while they're on the field. And it's not something that's by design because it feels like. You know, we did not do this when Divock was in there. I don't know. They're not the same style player. He was not the big header guy. But still, you know, just because we have, like, size in the middle now where we have, like, more of a traditional nine, why cross it a bazillion times? Is it by design or is it just, hey, he's in there. Let me just cross it in there.
1: Have you seen Jurgen Klopp's response when they, like, throw the ball into the wrong person? That, like, tactically, they weren't supposed to throw it into, or when they passed the ball like diagonally when it should have been like a square pass, like a square ball. Honestly, everything for me is tactically by design. And the fact that they're crossing as much as they are isn't that they're just excited about the shiny new object that they have that is taller than most that they've had prior in the box. I, I think it's a mixture. I, I think they are enamored with helping get their young star player off the mark. I think in some ways early in that match, they were trying to feed him to score the big goal early uh, to make up for the red card and to, you know, there were two or three times early in the match. You could see guys going up and talking to him and like smacking him in the head and almost like they had to stay with him and help him stay engaged as he was kind of reintegrated. So I I think it is by design. I also believe that um, they're, excited about their new toy and maybe going direct because it's not something this club's ever done before is something that is kind of, I think for players like Harvey, players like Trent who want to pick a guy out and make a play, being told it's okay to throw it into the box unabandoned is, is, is an exciting thing for them. And I think they're taking a little bit, they're taking liberties to the fact that tactically they're being asked to do it.
0: I mean, if it is by design, Bickler, I mean, I find it as a horrible design because you're only throwing one guy in there against a team that has their center backs, you know, one in front, one back. It's kind of like a tough ask. And he has won some headers, but obviously he's not going to get as many clear chances. As opposed to moving that you know defense around and having Trent curve that one in, uh, or like Robo from the other side curve that one into somebody who can kind of sneak in between, you know, as we put try to put more numbers at least going into the box, is it just poor design? Is it just poor based on the deliveries that are coming in? I mean, I think it's both.
2: I think deliveries have been poor, but I think that's poor design too because I don't think Nunes is necessarily a so he's a big guy, but I don't think he necessarily dominates the ball in the air. Like, I think if, right. I, mean, I mean, I think he I, he's worse in the air than Sadio Mane. Okay. And that doesn't mean he won't get better. Um, He's a big, he's a big dude, but he's just traditionally speaking, he's not somebody that's gone up and dominated in the air either. So, I mean, I think he, as big as he is, I think he actually prefers the ball at his feet. Uh, and I think, I don't think there's anything more predictable in football than pumping the ball in from one spot on the pitch, play, like play after play in the final third, and that's what we do. Not even coming from the left. It's 95% of the crosses are coming in from that right half space tucked in under Moe, and I just think there's something that's got to change in that just because it's so predictable, and I don't think it's necessarily playing to
0: Nunez's strengths either. And that's the thing. I mean, as a center back, that's like a lot easier to defend. I mean, I'd rather Mm -hmm. do that. Like, just keep it coming in. I mean, we're just going to, you know, you only have one, this dude in here. It's a lot easier to kind of like defend against that as opposed to a team either mixing it up or, you know, constantly moving around and moving me all over the place as a center back as opposed to, you know, seeing the guy in the corner over there, they're like, Cross it in. We practiced this for hours, you know, what people crossing it in the other one is header. That's why, you know, I find it confusing that it is designed. Go ahead, Galen.
1: No, I was just, you know, the, the, the whole point of, of, you know, the big opportunities created. Robertson has zero big opportunities created in six matches. And Costas has three. And I wonder if that has part of the reason why Costas is finding these late substitutions into these close matches is that Klopp actually recognized, and I don't think it's all Robertson, like it's his fault, like he's playing that poorly. I think the shift in tactics is putting him in positions that he's not as comfortable creating from, where he wants to use his pace out wide and run beyond Diaz. But because Diaz is staying so far out wide, it's more about Costas taking players on and getting them to the byline and then chipping the ball inside. And he's created some opportunities. And I think to Paul's point, what it means is it's, every single attack is coming from the right-hand side and it's making it easy for center backs. Like the, you know, the, the, the closer center back is basically just cutting off the angles and playing in front of Darwin and the center back front on the other side is basically just cheating from behind and bumping him off the ball. And to Paul's point, he had two opportunities early in the match to win balls in the air and put Pickford under pressure and on both instances he missed the frame by quite a distance and on one of those he was going up against Patterson and it was basically a free header and if he brings it back across goal it's one nil. but instead he tries to go to the far post and really make it like more of a brilliant header and he's what six seven yards wide to the left of the post when he misses and on the other one it's one of those cheapies where the NBC angle makes you think it was a lot closer than it was, and then you see it and realize he missed by like a country mile. So he he rather the ball at feet. And to the Torres comment we made earlier, you know he can run on a ball, beat a man, and then swivel and turn and put it in the low corner. So I don't see a need to chip it into him and hope he volleys off his chest. I know it would have been a highlight, real worldy goal but I think he's going to score more at balls to feet than he is hitting the ball, lumping it in the air to him in the box. It's just, that's all that's worked so far. That's the scary.
0: Yeah. Part. I think, you know, Costas is a good example. I think of the deliveries just not being as good as they normally are. Cause I think in terms of like getting the ball in the box from left-hand side, he is better than Robo in terms of, you know, crossing it from outside the box. I think Robertson is better at making those runs to the, like to the end line and kind Great. of like cutting it back in. But Costas's delivery this year has been nowhere as good as, you know, where it has been in the past. So when he's come in and done those crosses, they've, In most cases, they've been over hits and then, you know, they go way far to the back post and stuff. So I think that goes back to the delivery not working instead of like the system. But so looking ahead to this Wednesday, I mean, here's the thing with all the doom and gloom, with all the stuff that's happening in the Premier League. And mind you, you know, most of the teams we have played so far are towards like the middle to the bottom of the league. We are still only six points off pace, five points off of City. Uh, almost like United winning, which was our watch along this week, uh, United winning at Arsenal, I mean, uh, at home against Arsenal, kind of helped the cause in that sense. I still feel, and I think this weekend show that Arsenal, especially once the Thursday game starts, will come back down to earth. Uh, so it is still six points. So it's not all doom and gloom, people. Right, Bickler? Something like that. Something like that. Okay, so let's look at Wednesday and see if it's doom and gloom on Wednesday. What are you expecting, Bickler, in terms of a lineup on Wednesday and what kind of a game should we expect?
2: I mean, I think the lineup sort of sets itself. We're not going to see a whole lot of rotation. Um, I think it'll probably be pretty cagey and low scoring. Um, I It's really going to come down. I think the big sort of to be determined is going to be re- really come down to how far Thiago is along and whether he thinks he's a safer start than Arthur is. So, I mean, this is a spot we may see Arthur. This is a spot we may see Thiago. I think Fabinho has to start. I think uh, Elliot at this point has locked himself into that right side. Um, I think the front three will sort of remain unchanged. Um, I guess I could see Bobby here in place of Nunez. I could see that, especially in a game where, like, I think controlling the mids is going to be pretty important. Uh, But I don't see a whole lot of rotation, a whole lot of changes outside of those two spots specifically.
0: So no matsip, no jutta for you. Uh,
2: I don't, I don't know if. I, I don't you know them coming Mata. in. Jota's not game, for me. I don't think Jota's really. come. I think Jota's off the bench right now until he there's neither an, another injury here works himself back in. Maybe Matip. I could. I don't know if this is the spot you want to put. Rush him back in. Um, I think I'm still. I, I think I still am leaning towards seeing Gomez here. Um, but yeah, that's a possibility. I think Raba will be back on that left side. So I guess really three changes. Um, I don't think Jota starts, though.
0: Yeah, I see Robertson coming back as well. And I think I would rather start with Bobby on a game like this where we will need to probably defend more. It is going to be kg, so that press is going to be important. And I think Bobby's that's where Bobby's strength is in terms of, like, you know, obviously the press, moving people around, defending, coming back, and opening up some spaces. What do you expect, Gally?
1: This is usually where
0: I say Klopp loves to
1: play Kata in Europe. Oh, wait. No, he can't. (laughs) He didn't he didn't put him on the roster? So uh even no, if Keita, was, no
0: Ox in the Champions League groups, which huge, means they're Don't Huge opportunity, generally.
1: huge opportunity for them to yep. stay home, think about where they're gonna play next year, and collect big fat checks from Liverpool while they're at it. Um rotation-wise, I mean I think Robertson comes back in, obviously. I think Trent obviously <laughs> slots back in. I, I think Matip's an interesting one. I think the fact that he got 20 minutes on Saturday. Makes me think that if he is fit enough to play, he might. Um, As far as the midfield, you know, it's anybody's bet at this point. I think at some point Harvey's going to get a break. So, you know, where's Jones? I know he didn't even make the bench. You know, is is Jones a candidate to possibly play? Obviously with Carvalho, I don't think he plays. I think Arthur probably plays his um, – Understanding of the Italian league, his, you know, uh, comfortability with Napoli as a side probably makes his inclusion that much easier for this match as his first. I don't think Tiago will play personally um, from the start if he just went back into training today. So I have to think maybe he makes the bench. Up top, I'm with you guys. I think it's Diaz, Bobby, and Mo. Uh, Darwin can come off the bench. You have Darwin and Nunez. But here's the thing. We've never scored at Napoli. In th- all three of those matches, we've got zero goals. I think we had two one nil losses and one nil- nil draw. So we struggle playing in Italy as a whole. I could see us going there almost thinking that we're playing for nil- nil, and if we score, it's, it's golden. And that sounds crazy for our side, but I think you a this is the toughest of the six matches in this group. So any result? in Italy on Wednesday is a good result for me and kicks off our
2: season, hopefully.
0: Yeah, that's the tricky part for the midfield. Yeah, I, I agree that it's way too early for Thiago, especially coming from hamstring. I don't think we see him, like say we were talking earlier, I don't even know how much we see him on the weekend, to be honest. But yeah, out of those guys like Jones, who hasn't been around for a while, do you throw him in there? Arthur, who's new to the team, do you throw him in there? It's almost like you have these names, but every single one is... Pretty risky, but out of all those names, I think I go to Arthur Mello because just because he has experience as a whole playing in Europe and playing in Italy and playing against Napoli, so maybe we use that and put him in midfield next to Fab to kind of like play it safe. Because I mean, that's basically what he's going to do mostly. I mean, he's more of like a defensive type more than anything else, bold. You know, he's going to contain the ball. He's going to move the ball around. And he's going to pos- you know, keep the possession. So it should be interesting to see who that third name is. I think Bickler is right. I think Elliott is going to still have his spots, And with Carvalho already out. Go ahead, Gallo. He, ma-
1: he makes Mateo Kovacic look like an exciting, attack-minded midfielder. And Kovacic has done nothing but play eight-foot passes to the right or the left for his entire Chelsea career. And Melo makes him look like an attack-minded. He makes him look like a Nesta.
0: Yeah, see, I, I, I'm kind of like torn on the Archer thing. Yeah, he, he reminds me more of a cross between, like I say, Henderson and Thiago in terms of style. Uh, you know, like a lot more maybe being able to kind of like move the ball and shift wings. He's going to have that vision. Uh, he's not going to be as aggressive with the through passes as Thiago is, but he does, he is a guy who can suddenly cut into space and take advantage of that, but, you know, his goal record and stuff like that obviously is not something that's, you know, that we got him for. Uh, So let's get some score predictions out of you guys. Gally, we'll start with you. Give us a score.
1: I am not going to be painting a positive light. I'm going to go with a nil-nil draw.
0: Ugh, that should be more than Nervy and I can handle, which I will be, by the way, a programming notes. Well, not a pro. I mean, I guess it is a kind of a programming note because we're not having the morning coffee uh, rest of the week because I'll be actually in Nashville and get to hang out with the Sports Club over there and watch the game, hoping for like a win in an away pub over here. What do you have, Bickler? Uh, I mean, I'll say
2: we drop this one and Napoli pulls it off 1 0. I don't feel great about us scoring, I don't
0: feel great about us keeping a clean sheet. I have a 1-1 one, one on this one. And I think... So, let me guys ask you this. Do you, do we take the draw and say that's not a bad score? Alan Wallace says 1-0, sadly. So, since he said sadly, I'm assuming one is going to be Napoli agrees with you, Bickler. Uh, I mean, we take the draw and run with it, right, mainly due to the form. And I agree with Galli that this is probably the hardest game. I know they're not the top seed, but in terms of a place to go to and play at... Napoli away is probably the toughest fixture in this group stage.
1: Yeah, and they've they've started their um they've started their domestic campaign well. I think they have 11. I think they've picked up 11 points to start the year in Syria. They're in second place currently. Scored 12, conceded only 4. Um Asame is a really 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 big time European talent. We're going to see like a top top striker who's understanding his kind of form there. And I think that he's going to create some fits for us. And we're going to, you know, we're going to need whatever two center backs play to be on top of their game. Uh, Cause they have a top, top European striker at Napoli. And I think we're going to see it. They got a good coach and that the team just seems like they get up for these big European moments against bigger clubs. And I think this is going to be a tough one. I, I, I think we get out of there with a draw. We should be happy.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a very different team than we faced last time we played them. I and mean, there's going to be a lot of new faces. I'm hoping Kim does a favor for us, the South Korean center back. They got from Fenarbacher and kind of. Tumbles over more or something like that in the box, and we get a penalty out of that. He's a great, solid dude. You're not going to beat him physically, but he can be beat with pace because he kind of, he's kind of like Gomez in that sense where he kind of relies on his pace a bit too much. So he can be taken advantage of. But they have, I mean, they have like a really, solid midfield too. And like you said, Gally, they did start the season. They have not played anybody good yet, but they still are obviously coming in with a lot more confidence than we are. And I think that's like the biggest thing, right? Bichler? I mean, because of our form, we would probably more than be happy with a draw and move on.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think anytime you can draw your, your toughest fixture, that's a win in a champions league uh, run through group play. Um I think, yeah, I agree with you. I think the big thing between Napoli and Liverpool right now is that Napoli has an identity and Liverpool doesn't. Um so I mean, we'll just have to see what happens there. How we I mean, we, it's going to be pretty critical we start out on the front foot or at least start waking up to defend well uh, out of the gate.
0: Yeah, I heard about the Lozano, walnuts uh, not? says uh Herving Lozano was pressured off and the Ossimian was train on zone. I don't know that's more like a a knock uh, Is it the Liverpool knock or an Italian-type knock? Uh, we're going to find right. that out. But I almost feel like that's more playing it safe than anything else because this is kind of a – I mean, this is a key game for them in that sense to get something out of this. I think this is an interesting group because I feel like Ajax and uh, Napoli will take points away from each other. Uh, so it's going to be key to get – I mean, it would be a huge thing to get a win out of this and come back with the three points.
1: I honestly believe if you get three points in this match right here, all you need is one at Ajax, and you can almost banker first on this group without, you know, just imploding at Rangers or something like that. Because I also think Rangers are going to take off points off people just by being insane. Especially in when stadium. they're home. Yeah. Yeah. They're just, they're going to like I could see Ajax going to Rangers and literally just like PSV did in the uh, two-legged tie PSV got there and was like, what the fuck is this? How are you supposed to play football with these freaking drunk heathens throwing shit and yelling these words at you? How is this possible? And the people in Rangers were like, we didn't even let them drink for two days because you guys, because you, (laughs) you people from the Netherlands were coming. Like, you know, it, it, Ibrox is a different animal and I think it I think we're gonna bode better at that than any of the other two teams in our group, purely because eventually, you know, we play once every four years at Millwall and guys remember what it's like to play in a heathen type cauldron of hate.
0: Yeah, it should, it's going to be interesting. I Sorry, think it's like a, in that sense, it's like an interesting group where people can take away from points from each other. Uh, but then again, we had a hell of a group last year too, and we kind of like cruised through it. So let's hope this is kind of like a totally different competition for the boys. So they start with clearer heads and the form doesn't affect it, and maybe they make this the turning point. We were kind of hoping the Newcastle was a turning point, but that didn't pan out as we hoped. So um, Thursday night... The other trio will probably cover this game and look ahead to the weekend to the Wolves game. Uh, We'll be back with the Premier League show tomorrow night on the YouTube channel. Otherwise, we'll be back on Monday to talk about the Wolves game. Thanks a lot for everybody listening, chiming in. Uh, We'll see you guys next week. Take care.